But we thank you for the Christmas time of year that we can even little notice of its creator and its savior. Lord, we ask that you would help us to celebrate the joy of the season in true worship to the true God who loved us and gave himself for us. We ask that the name of Jesus would be lifted up high in the songs that we sing and the way that we sing them, that in everything that is done here today would be done to worship the ever-living Son of the Creator God of this universe, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Church and the Toddler's Church. If you are between 5 and 12, we would ask you to go downstairs to the Children's Church. Under 5, parents, take your children to the Toddler's Church, if you would. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 30. Psalm chapter 30. And we've retired, officially retired our, our banners for this year. Our theme for 2019 was, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And also a follow-up to that is, Be ye followers of God as dear children. And, and that is a, a very difficult thing for most of us as adults uh, to do. In fact, I think at the men's prayer breakfast, one of the men said, oh, I wish I could be just a little boy uh, with the parents again and, and uh, all the cares of this world to be taken over, taken care of by somebody else. But uh, that that's not our lot. We're supposed to grow up. Amen. And it's always troubling when I find someone uh, praise the Lord, uh, it's been a while, uh, find someone in their 30s and 40s, and I just want to ask a question, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and, and that's always a tragedy uh, that, that someone would get this far through life, and yet they, they tell us that is the new norm. And one of my daughters looked at me the other day and said, Dad, I am a millennial. I said, there are none of those in my house. Uh, you might be the appropriate age, but we're not going to adopt that mindset. Amen. And, and uh, uh, we want to serve the Lord. And Christmas is supposed to be a season of joy, is it not? But for so many in this world, it's not a season of joy. It's a season of remembering all of the things that have gone wrong in the past. Uh, if you have loved ones that are on the other side of glory. It's a time that often uh, some of our greatest childhood memories and things. I, I remember as a little boy going out and looking at, at a Christmas tree and saying, Mom and Dad, you bought the whole store! And, and just uh, uh, enjoying those things and the wonder of it all. And we lose that as we get to be adults. And this morning, there's a verse in the Bible, and of course, uh, uh, this verse is talking about our service to the Lord and our, uh, the greatness of our God and how that He will take care of us. But Psalm 30, we're just going to look at verse 5. It says, For His anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let's read that again. Read carefully as I read aloud. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. There, there are just so many verses in the Bible that tell us that uh, ye shall reap in due season if ye, what? Faint not. Uh, just so many verses in the Bible, to so much encouragement to not give up, to uh, hold on the the Bible word is to endure. 
And uh, we're, we're just going to look at this uh, this morning, and, and the title of the message is simply this, Endure Unto Joy. I could fill this sermon with life stories that I have witnessed of people who were going through uh, a difficult time, and, and they chose what they thought was the easy way out. They took the, uh, 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 pulled the ripcord and said, I'm just getting out, I, I can't handle it anymore, and they lost everything, spiritually speaking. Uh, the Bible teaches us you cannot lose your salvation, and I am so glad of that. I'm glad that salvation is the work of Jesus Christ, not my work. But I want to challenge you this morning. You can lose everything else. You can lose everything else. You see, we do not endure because of our own strength. There have been people we're talking with and, and trying to, especially when I go to Heartland, explaining... You, you must, you must, as a student in Bible college, you must devote your life to finding out what God's will for your life is and then ask God for the strength to accomplish that will. Because nothing else matters. And yet that, that is true for every Christian, is it not? We, we do not endure because of our own strength. We have a tendency to look at people and say, wow, we studied about the death of Moses. Moses was certainly, anybody's book, he was a great man. But why was Moses great? It was because of his relationship with God. Did Moses part the Red Sea? No, God did. Moses was the lucky one that got to stick out the rod and say, part! And it did. Moses was the one that threw his rod down and it became a serpent, but only at God's command. You see, we don't endure so that we can be strong or because we are strong or because we are of different stock than another person. I am so glad the Bible tells me God is no respecter of persons. That God will do the work in each and every one of our lives if we'll just endure. And here's what the word endure means. To undergo, bear, sustain... Continuous pain, opposition, hardship, or annoyance. Now, why'd they have to put that last one in there? Most of us can deal or learn to deal with pain, hardship, opposition, when somebody is against us. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, when I'm out passing out tracks and somebody says, I don't believe in that, I'm just... Encourage you to go do it some more. Amen? Uh, I'm glad I ruined your day. Uh, uh, I just have no... Uh, that, that doesn't bother me. But I'll tell you what bothers me is annoyance. How about you? Uh, that, that's the one that usually gets me down. When it's just those little nagging things that, that just kind of get to you. And, and yet, here's the, this is not a Bible dictionary. This is just our good old Oxford English dictionary. To undergo, bear, sustain, continuous pain, opposition, hardship, or annoyance. Now, here's the next word, properly. It's to undergo, bear, or sustain properly all of these things. To undergo without succumbing or giving way. And I've used this example before. Someone uh, sent this to me. It was one of those internet things that were passed around. It says, sometimes during life's difficulties. And it gave three examples. An egg, a carrot, and some coffee. 
It says you take each one of those three things and put them in boiling water and they will change. You take an egg and put it in boiling water and what do you get? A hard-boiled egg. It becomes hard. It, it, it becomes resistant. You can take a hard-boiled egg and drop it on the table and the only thing that's going to happen is the shell will crack. The egg will bounce because it's now impervious to damage. Don't do that with a raw egg, by the way. Uh, all you'll have is a mess. How many of you have done that by mistake? And uh, you take the carrot and you subject that to boiling water, and what does it become? Baby food. It just boils to mush. You see, some people, they get hard because of trials and troubles. That's their way of dealing with it. They become like that little turtle. They just put their head in the shell, clam it all up, and they're safe. Uh, No. They're only hurting themselves. Other people are like the carrot. They just turn to mush. But how many knows what happens when you take coffee beans and crush them and boil them in water? It's the water that changes. And it becomes coffee. Isn't that a neat illustration? You see, as servants of the Lord, we're going to have to endure hardness. And we're going to talk about the things in the Bible here in a moment. But I I really believe that God wants us not to be changed by events, but to change the events. To have a testimony of God's goodness. To understand. This verse here says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Why do we as Christians have no greater joy than the world around us? Do you realize that a few presents under a Christmas tree may be the greatest joy that an unsaved person experiences in their whole life? How many of you have ever visited the Empire State Building? I don't know if they still have the flyer in there or not, but they used to have one. This is as close as some people will ever get to heaven. That was printed by the Empire State Building. It's part of their advertising. How many of you remember that brochure? You've seen that. Uh, But yet, if we're not careful, we're going to lose that childlike joy that should be part of our service for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have received the greatest gift that was ever given. If you're here today and you're saved, you have partaken in the divine nature through the Holy Spirit of God. He has saved you by His grace. He paid for your suffering on Calvary's cross and proved that He had victory over death and the grave by rising again. But sometimes, even as Christians, we have to endure some things. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth? Not Now, this is part of an overall passage here, talking about serving God. And there's times in our lives where God has to tighten down the clamps, we might say. He has to turn up the pressure. Uh, God can use circumstances. He can use life events. He can use people, sometimes sickness or disease, to chasten us, to put us in the way. You know, that is the job of a parent. How many of you had parents that chastened you, that that told you, no, I love to put it this way, my dad taught me the meaning of two words. 
He taught me the meaning of the word no, and he taught me the meaning of the word now. I'll tell you what, if you understand those two words, you have an education, do you not? Uh, it, it'll solve so many problems in this world. And, and as parents, it is our job to do that for our children so that they would grow up and be able to be a part of society. One of our problems is today we're living in a society where the grandchi- grandchildren of the pot-smoking hippies of Woodstock are raised in that tradition. I'll tell you, how's that working out for us as a nation? If, if you're an employer and you got people working for you, how much fun is it to have one of those guys on the payroll? Uh, that, that doesn't bode well for our country. How many of you work with somebody like that? And you end up doing half and two-thirds of their workload because they well, just under so much pressure today, I can't handle it. That, that's not a pleasant place to be now, is it? You see, if you don't endure chastening, you're never going to learn to do right. Can we trust God with suffering in our lives? Yes, we can. You see... It says, for his anger endureth but a moment, in favor is life, in his favor is life, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. God has a purpose when he puts us, when he chastens us, when he tries to help us understand the meaning of the word no, or the meaning of the word now, that he tries to work on us. And strengthen us. Let's just turn a few pages back toward the front of your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as Paul is telling Timothy here, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He says, thou therefore endure hardness. We need to endure chastening. We need to understand that sometimes God is trying to keep us on that narrow road, even though our flesh and our mind don't understand. If we'll just give God the benefit of the doubt, as we might say, and trust in Him and let Him move us, we will be in that right path. But this idea of enduring hardness as a good soldier... I think of the testimony of many of our veterans as, uh, uh, in that uh, 100-day war with uh, Iraq a few years ago. Uh, they talked to some of the soldiers and some of the veterans there, and, and they said, Wow, you know, my training was more difficult than the actual battle sequence was. They actually said that. Now, praise God, very few men die in training exercises, but they do. We just had three uh, Marines killed this week in a training exercise. They were working on the maintenance of their helicopter, and it went down and took all three lives into eternity. But I'll tell you, if you don't endure hardness, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm not a Marine. I can't do that many push-ups. <laughs> Never could. Uh, I often say uh, it was a benefit both to the Marine Corps and to me that I went to Bible college instead of joining up. I mean, that's just the direction God had for me in my life. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I still want to honor uh, those men that do serve. And it is a great privilege. And yet, as Christians... We need to learn to endure hardness. You know what? Serving Christ is not the easy way out. People often talk about, well, serving Jesus, He'll answer all your problems and He'll take care of all your needs. Yes, He will, but read the rest of that passage. It says, with tribulations... Uh, you're going to have to learn to endure hardness. And if we go to chapter 4 and verse 5 of Second Timothy, as he is 
telling Timothy here, he said, I, I am ready to be offered in verse 6, in, in uh, verse 5, he says, but watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Listen. There are going to be people against you if you're serving God. Some, not, some of them will be from your own family. There will be people who will oppose you. We live in a society that is diametrically opposed to the truths of this book called the Bible. Everything they do and teach is against the Bible. I'm still going to believe the Bible. Amen? We're still going to preach the Bible the same old-fashioned way. We want to understand something. And in uh, uh, 1 John 1, 4, it says, So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecution and tribulations that ye endure. You see, the big pressure on churches today is to change. How many of you enjoyed that song? Thou didst leave thy throne and thy earthly crown. I mean, heavenly crown, whatever the words are, I'm sorry. I, I, I enjoy that's those, those songs, but they're hard to sing. You know, is it, it was really a joy to stand up here in the, in the, on the platform and, and Brother Leland said, now we're going to do the echoes in How Great Our Joy. Now, the first course was a little rough, but everybody got online. How great our joy. Great our joy. That was listening up here. And you know what my prayer is? That God listening up there will be pleased with our ability to work together and bring a beautiful melody to His praise and His worship. Do you know how many churches have thrown away their hymn books? And have given up on these beautiful hymns for what we technically call 7-Eleven songs. How many of you know what a 7-Eleven song is? That's seven words you say 11 times. And they'll just over and over again, the same few words. Oh, and somebody said, but they have such a beautiful message. Yeah. It's a mile wide. Half an inch deep. God wants us to enjoy and you're going to, if you're going to sing these beautiful old hymns, you're going to have to learn how to do it. Hannah was working last night, hammering out the, the thing on the piano and says, oh, these songs are hard to play. Well, guess what? They're worth learning. And we've got to work at that. The whole world wants us to abandon hymns with words and with messages so we can relate to a new generation. Well, I'm sorry, some of those songs, if you took the profanity out of them, there wouldn't be any words left. I, I hear them going up the street, boom, 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 and every other word is some kind of profane usage of a, of a there's not one, there's no message to these songs at all. Hey, we, we must stand against the world in which we live to worship the God who created this world. Second, uh, First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. In verse 9, 19, I'm sorry, 19. For this is thanksworthy, for this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. How many of you have ever suffered 
wrongfully for doing right. You are being obedient to God. And because of your obedience to God. How many of us have suffered for something that we did wrong? You saw the flashing lights in the rear window. And you got that wonderful little signed love letter from that uh, municipality or state uh, department saying, you've broken the speed law and you're going to pay for it. Well, honestly, we should. We were doing it wrong. But I will tell you this. The Bible says we should suffer when we do wrong. But when we suffer for doing what's right... That's when God is pleased. And you know what? God's not going to leave you suffering forever. It says, weeping endureth for the night. But what comes in the morning? Joy. If we will endure. But we have to understand something. Our endurance isn't something that I decide. Endurance is based upon a relationship with God. Let me just read you a few verses. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 13, Jesus says several times in what is called the Olivet Discourse, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And many people have taken that verse out of context and see there, if you endure to the end, then you're going to be saved. If you don't endure, you won't be saved. Well, The truth of the matter is, we can only endure because of our salvation relationship with God. Endurance does not come from you. Neither does faith, by the way. For by grace are you saved through faith. What's the next phrase? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This idea of endurance does not come from me because I am strong. Uh, sometimes people say, well, you, you, just, you just really had an easy life in, in uh, living for God. Uh, absolutely, that is so absolutely true. But I'll tell you what, it's because God gives the strength to endure. Hello? Amen? Jesus told a parable about seeds and soil and he talked about the one and he says, and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth from the word's sake, immediately they are offended. I want to challenge you if you're among that group that is easily offended, if if, if your service for Christ can be stopped because of some person or something that maybe the preacher says that you don't like, I want you to understand what this verse is saying. You need to examine your salvation relationship with God. You need to take a moment and, and look because the problem is not here. Now, as a human being, sometimes the problem can be here. I raise my hand. I admit it. I'm a human being. I'm not going to do everything perfect. But I'll tell you this. If we'll stick with this book called the Bible, we'll endure it. We'll get through it. We'll find a way to be obedient to God. You see, the root of our endurance, the strength, the key to endurance is the fact that that strength to endure these things, to endure afflictions, to endure grief and suffering wrongfully, to, to deal with the chastening of God, that hardness where we just have to grow up. You know, there is no easy way to grow up. We, we talk about these young children that are graduating Harvard at 16 years old. Okay, well, maybe they did the academic, but there's still an awful lot of growing up that has to happen in any 16-year-old before they become an adult. Uh, I don't care how skilled that person is. 
Uh, I don't want no 16-year-old operating on me. How about you? Uh, I'd like to see him grow up a little bit first. Amen? Am, Am I? Yeah, okay, there we go. We're not out of line here. We just need to understand something. That this growing up process takes time. You're going to have to endure hardness. You're going to have to go through these things. But that endurance comes from God, not from us. You see, endurance is something that God does. Let me just read you a few verses. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Jude, verse 24 Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that the key to enduring is not in your hands? It's in God's. If we will just understand that salvation is God's work, Living for God is God's work. That, that's what I mean when I say what you did to get you saved is good enough to do to live for God. It is re-surrendering my life and serving Him on a daily basis. This is why Jesus said that we're to take up our cross daily. So let's just lay out a few things here and then we'll be done this morning. How can I... Uh, ensure that I can endure? How can I make sure that I'm on the right side of this thing? Number one, you have to believe God's Word. James chapter 5. Let's just turn there for a moment. If you're in First Peter, it's just a page or two back. James chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. How many of you have read through the book of Job? If you did your Bible reading schedule, you should have read through the book of Job once this year. Uh, The book of Job is an incredible book. It is a long book, 42 chapters. And I will tell you that uh, there's an awful lot in the book of Job that you can just kind of get lost in and go back and forth in the diatribe there. But if you want to understand the book of Job, just remember this one sentence. This is the theme, in my opinion, of the book of Job. Let God be God. Job had to learn that lesson. Even though Job was the most righteous man in his area, God had picked him out special and held him up to the devil and said, Now look at this guy. He serves me my way. But Job still had some things to learn. And I praise God that I have not had to endure the things that Job had to endure. The loss of all of his possessions. The loss of all of his children, the loss of any support or comfort. I mean, the phrase that we often use today with friends like these, who needs enemies? That comes from the book of Job. His friends who came to comfort him. Wow, did they do a good job. Has anybody got a mop to get the sarcasm off the floor? Uh, I mean, wow. Wow. These were terrible friends. In fact, in the end of the book, it was Job praying for his friends that got them through the book okay. Life is not for the faint of heart. Amen? If you're going to live for Christ in this day and in this time, and by the way, that's the only choice you have. They have not yet perfected the time machine, and nor will they ever. Uh, because what we would do is we'd all go back in time and try to fix the bad things that we did and do twice as much bad as we'd done the first time around. 
so God has fortunately kept us locked into this thing called time until he takes us to heaven to be with him. And we need to make a choice. We need to understand that the end of the Lord is goodness. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the first step to this endurance is simply believing God's word. Believing in the character of God. And even though there is suffering and heartache, and even though there are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we need to understand that God is still in charge. What's the second thing we can do? How about praying? Does prayer work? Now, by the way, we do not believe that prayer is the force that moves the the unseen hand of God. We do not believe that at this church. Because God is good to start with. He doesn't need my prayers to know what to do. You know what God uses my prayers for? Getting me out of the way so that I stop hindering the goodness of God. If you're enduring chastening by God, do you know the simplest way to get rid of that chastening? Start doing right. Is is that a complicated thought process there? Is that a revelation to anybody in here? I mean, if you were in school and you weren't getting the grades that you were supposed to get and, and things weren't going your way, what did you do? Well, you either quit or you started studying the right things and learned how to put the right answers down on the paper and you passed your test. Amen? And it works that way with God. John sixteen twenty says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For the joy, a man is born into the world. Now, ye therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will, give it to, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. You know, we like that last part. Ask, that you may receive, that your joy may be full. Oh. Wait a minute. He said, you're going to have sorrow first. Could you put yourself in the place of the disciples watching Jesus Christ led away from the Garden of Gethsemane, bound by the chief priest's guards, and then crucified and laid in a tomb? All their hope was gone. But you know what? We don't have one of those 11 disciples that had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ turning from him, even though they were hiding like little cowards in that upper room until Jesus showed up on resurrection night. And then they wanted to climb out the windows because they thought they'd seen a ghost. It wasn't until they touched him and realized that Jesus was real. And their testimony is all we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you today. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to endure. But that belief in God powers my prayers. I will learn to ask for things that Jesus wants me to ask for, just like we talked about with Moses. God put upon Moses' heart a burden for someone to lead Israel after he was gone. God had already been working on that. God knew exactly what he was going to do. And Moses, as he is dying, As he is just moments before God takes him, he puts his hand on Joshua before the congregation. He gives him a charge. And what a beautiful picture. And God had Moses' 100% cooperation. Why? 
Because God had put a burden in his heart, Moses prayed and God answered Moses' prayer. And Moses was full of joy in being obedient to God. Have you ever had that happen in your life? God put a burden on your heart and you begin to pray. And I remember when God first put a burden on my heart for a building for our church. My wife thought I was possessed with something. All you do is go to the building department. No, that's not all I do, but I, I have to do, or got to do this. And I, it took us years. You know why? Because God knew that if he had brought us to this building at the beginning of our search, number one, the synagogue was still open, hadn't closed yet. They hadn't got desperate enough to sell us the building. And you know what? I hadn't gotten desperate enough to trust God that he would give us a building this big. And so God had to do all of that work and bring us together. And then we started the terrifying process of buying the building. Some of you remember that one Christmas, Christmas 1999. We were only $150,000 short on our building payment. I can say that tongue-in-cheek now, but I couldn't then. My heart was full of terror. I just did not know what was going to happen. And I'd go to our people and, and, and we would sing, He's able in Sunday school every Sunday. He's able, He's able. I said, Lord, I'm holding on, but I don't know how long this is going to hold on. I'll tell you what. I'm glad I didn't quit. Do you know when the money came in? Two weeks before the synagogue could start foreclosure. In fact, the check didn't clear until after they could start foreclosure. And they didn't because I called the rabbi up and I said, we had another miracle on 35th Street. And I could just hear him going, rats! Because he wanted to buy this building and sell it to his friends and make medical offices out of it and do some business dealing. And, you know, God had better plans now, didn't he? You see, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 and we'll be done this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read verse 35 and 36. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. You see, enduring is not being moved, succumbing, or giving way to these things that happen to you that come under the qualifications of continuous pain, opposition, hardship, or annoyance. And, and I mean, there's an awful lot in life that comes under those, uh, the, that category, is it not? And the Bible says that we're not supposed to change. We're not supposed to be moved. We're not supposed to succumb or give in to these things. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. You can't not give up on serving God if you've been born again the Bible way because the life that you have came from God. Amen? Let that angst and that difficulty in your life drive you to your knees until you get a burden that God has for your heart so that you can actually pray for the things that God wants to do. And there is just a point of making a decision in your mind and in your soul that I'm going to trust God more than I'm going to depend on what I feel. I've often given this example. It's one of my best illustrations from life of what faith really is. 
I was the bus mechanic at Cleveland Baptist Church. We had a fleet of 16 buses, 40 feet long, and we would send them out every Sunday morning, pick up people for church, and I was the guy that was supposed to keep them all running. And uh, one time I uh, had the bus all taped up for for painting. Uh, You couldn't see out any of the windows. The mirrors were all off. And my boss, uh, Bob Folger, that's Pastor Folger, who recently retired, that's his dad, came into the garage and said, Pete, we got to get this bus out of here. we got an emergency repair. And I'm Brother Folger, I just spent all day taping this thing. And he jumps up on a little uh, handle that was built into the bus and cuts out a little square out of the windshield this big. Remember, this bus is 40 feet long and it's inside a garage. He says, now back this bus out of here. I said, how? He says, you watch me. He said, and if you wreck the bus, he said, I'm going to fire you. I'm sitting there going, (laughs) I had this much room on one side and this much room on the other side. It, It just wasn't a big door to get that bus through. But I'm here today. I didn't lose my job. Uh, I'll tell you, I was sweating bullets. It was winter. I mean, it was cold outside. I I was sweating trying to back that bus. And I was just inching it out. And he's going, come on, move that bus out of here. And, and I'm just inching it out. And then I got it into the parking lot. And it was like, you couldn't see anything. You didn't, it, you, I couldn't feel the bus moving. There were other cars in the parking lot. He said, I'm spinning around, and I'm sitting there going, okay, here we go. I hope I don't feel nothing as I'm going back. I had to trust Bob. You know what my problem was? It wasn't as easy to trust him as it was to trust me. Now, if I had not overridden my trust in myself, I would have wrecked that bus, lost my job, a lot of other bad things. Didn't need to happen. In fact, it didn't happen. You know why? Because I listened to the man that could see. And we need to listen to God. He can see. He understands what goes on. And Do you know that as we talk about the Christmas season and all the joy, in fact, on Sunday nights we've got a series, uh, The Joy of Christmas. And last Sunday night we talked about the joy of of, um, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth at the birth of John the Baptist. And we're going to be going through the events of the Christmas season. Uh, uh, story from John the Baptist all the way through to the wise men and even ending up at the empty tomb. And we're going to talk about the joy of the Christmas story on Sunday nights these next several weeks. And I'd encourage you to be there for that. But if you're going to have joy, if you're going to enjoy that childlike faith that God wants us to have, you're going to have to stop trusting you. And believe what Jesus says in his word. You're going to have to stop trying to pray to get God to do what you want to do. And get close enough to God that you can have his burden laid on your heart. So that you can begin to pray for the things that God wants to do. That's prayer. And... You're going to have to trust God more than what you feel and what you hear and what you can see. Because God knows everything. And as any good father, one of the greatest delights of my life is being able to do something to see one of my children go, even the big ones. That, that is what fathers want to do. 
And God wants to do that for us. In fact, that's one of the things that heaven's about. Now, as we start our celebrations of this Christmas season, could we bear in mind that God is wanting us to endure the difficulties that we must face in this life so that we can experience the joy that only He can give us? And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that you would work in each heart and each life. Each one of us has separate burdens that we carry, different things that we endure. Lord, we're going, some of us are being chastened by God right now, and the difficulties and the pressures of this life are building. Others are suffering wrongfully for things that they did not do, trying to be obedient. Some, some of us are just having to suffer the pains of growing up, learning to endure hardness. And Lord, some are even just openly under affliction right now. We ask that that would drive us to our knees, that we would understand that there is a God that loves and cares for us, And wants us to have this joy that endurance comes from God, not from us. It's the result of our salvation, not something we do to earn it or keep it. Lord, I pray for our church. As we begin celebrating the Christmas season, that we would do so with joy. In our families, in our homes. Lord, in the presence of those who would desire to be our enemies, that we could enjoy the joy of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Leland comes to lead us in the hymn 516. As we sing, the altar is open.